Welcome to this episode of the Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm Larry Wydell, and before we get started, if you want to know exactly how to win again and again, go to WydellOnWinning.com forward slash webinar now to watch something I've put together for you. Now let's get going into this episode of Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm here with Kalpesh Patel, and we're uh, fighting our way to covering the subject of how to unravel the complex situations. And, yeah. you know, that's one thing that, you know, when you're teaching, you know, people, you get to that point to where they're saying, okay, I get it. Now, how am I going to go about that? And uh, to give them some clues and get them to where they have a sense that this is something they can do. How do you go about uh, getting that in their mind? Yeah. So I, I think that this is actually something that I, I, I'm realizing. I was doing it so subconsciously, I really wasn't giving myself credit for it. And, um, and also because of that, I, I wasn't being very overt in expressing this to my students. But the, the sheer determination uh, and the sheer joy of solving the problem, I think, is a big piece. Um, another piece is like understanding your role in the overarching thing. Why is it that you have to solve the problem? Oh, because there's no one else to solve this problem. Like I'm it, I'm the last right. man standing. I am the wall, whatever that role is. I think it's very important to recognize what that role is that you play. Um, so that uh, when you're getting tired, when you're getting wobbled, when you're dealing with failure number three of your you know, trials, uh, you can pick yourself up and dust yourself off because, well, it doesn't matter for the particulars of what my problem solving was this time or how much it failed or whatever the else. I, this is my role. And it's still my role. No one else has come here and said, I'm going to spot you. So I, I got to keep on trucking here. So I think that's, that's well, a big piece. That's the minds and the mindset. And the thing is, every leader has got to every winning leader has got to have that attitude. There's nothing, no different than like uh, the pregnant mom, uh, three quarters of the way through the pregnancy cannot say, okay, that does it. <laughs> I'm not going any further. <laughs> you know, no, you're in now. Uh, yeah. You got to hang, you got to find it inside yourself to hang through because yeah. the company point you just can't back out of, but the people that get really uh, uh, clever about finding ways to uh, shirk responsibility when a lot of people are counting on them are the people that never amount to anything and they never get that chance again. You know, like the farmer, he plants the crop you know, it's in there all year. He's, you know, he's fertilizing and, you know, pulling the For weed sure. out and everything. When it comes yeah. harvest time, it doesn't matter. You got to get the hay out of the field and the right. rain is coming. It doesn't right. matter if he's got a cold, if, uh, you know, right. his daughter has got a right. piano recital, uh, you know, the rain's coming, he's tired, oh. he's staying out in the field right. all night until that hay gets in the barn, you know, it's that type of attitude. Right. What, what, go ahead. So I was going to say, I, I, that's where the role thing, I feel like the, the recognizing the role kind of helps people get to, to the point where they can see whether that's there or whether it's missing. 
because right. you know the situation you just described and um as you said you know my family came from india originally and especially on my mother's side um an actual farming community so even though i i didn't spend a lot of time there i i when i was there i was there and it was absolutely a farming community right. and so one of the things that you learn in a farming community like the sense that people have when they live off the land is what we would call in English husbandry. Right. Right. Yep. It's not just that you own the land. It's not just that you reap from the land. It's not the land is just there to be worked and then kind of like profited off of. You're responsible for this thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's dependent on you. It can be fruitful but it needs you to fulfill your role of husbandry in order to be fruitful. And I know, I mean, I'll compliment you. I know that the guy who hired you, he was already an administrator type guy because he was the guy who hired you. And so as you got bigger, more and more clients and this, that, and the other, I'm sure he was diverted in his daily calendar of things to do, but you were still there hands-on and for 20 years you became the wall in that clinic and that i, I just think calpes you should take some joy or some satisfaction uh because of knowing that uh because you know you've left that and now you've you're you got your own clinic but the thing is that you were that wall where people came in and if they couldn't get results from any other place they shuttled them over to Calpesh yep. and uh uh you got you know because you had that husbandry type thing I'm re I'm responsible you somehow took ownership of this whole clinic and whole project and program you operated your mentality uh of what you saw your role was not a guy working by the hour working on this thing but you know you obviously could have had the cavalier attitude don't give me these tough ones you know i i just right, right. you know uh, <laughs> who needs this hassle you know right right uh, right 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 you right. know let me just right. you know out of 10 let me have right. you know five easy ones some a couple of tough ones right 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 yeah rather yeah. than one yeah. right after another that comes right. in the door is a nightmare you never yeah. heard of and nobody's yeah. ever had this before yeah and, but i do think the results that came from that uh clinic of people you know and the good good reputation that rippled out uh, yes because you saw yourself in that role uh had everything to do with the growth of that clinic and it becoming a magnet over time. But you, you, so I wanted to give you credit for that, but you also learned that uh, in London, I think uh, going through experiences with your family and your father had a restaurant or yes. something like that. Talk, talk, yeah. let, let them know about that a little bit. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. So my, my, my family, my parents uh, both went to London uh, when they were 18 to go to college and they actually met there. Um, the, you know, in London, in England has a huge Indian community now, um, but that's because there's been different influxes. But um, th this was uh, this was in the in the late 50s, I think that my parents when my parents went there, um, uh, you know, it was a very small community, very, very small numbers of Indian young Indian people going there. 
And um, what ended up happening with my dad is that he just kind of saw how much of a struggle it was to uh, get somewhere professionally in those days for the vast majority of his fellow Indian students. And um, they were all work part-time while they were in college, you know, they're making money and they would all live very, very frugally. So he convinced them all to set money aside. They pulled their money and they started to do some sort of import export business thing where yeah. they would bring in materials from India, you know, um, the, you know, and, uh, and, and that business kept growing to the point where dad eventually just went ahead and moved to London and, and, and kept growing this, this import business. And, uh, you know, he was, he was also the, the kind of guy that kind of, you know, kept his eyes open and looked at what, where the needs were. And he realized that there was a, a, a contingent of very wealthy Indian people coming to London to do business who were all vegetarian because that's just how we were raised. And so they didn't have anywhere to eat that they could count on getting Indian, uh, well, getting vegetarian food. There weren't Indian restaurants there then in London. <laughs> and so he opened this little, this little diner uh, that catered to these Indian businessmen, you know, and he just made home cooking, but he just, he knew how to cook. And so he just made, you know, simple stuff, but it was stuff that everybody was familiar with. It's like going, you know, you're, you're imagine like, you know, traveling in the seventies, be, being somewhere in France and, and being able to stop, pop in someplace, just get a burger and fries. Right. It was right. every American's dream. Like, Oh, thank God. You know, yeah. right. <laughs> I can have a no brainer meal. Feel like home yeah. for a minute, you know, <laughs> every day I'll be eating things I can't pronounce, you know, that sort of thing. Right. So, um, and, and then that turned into, he realized, Oh, well, you know, these people are eating with me. They'd probably like to stay with me. And you saw a hotel, for sale, a small little hotel down the road, bought the hotel. Now we had a little restaurant and a hotel. The, these guys are like, well, we eat with you every day, twice a day. Anyway, we're just staying in your place. So now he's got these, you know, fairly wealthy uh, businessmen that are traveling to, from India all the time, staying with him, you know, he just kept building it. My mom built, uh, then decided to open a little grocery store. Uh, there were more and more events happening. And so next thing you know, they were doing catering dad realized there was a lot of Indian people that were traveling that would prefer to do business with an Indian travel agent because of, so that they could discuss the minutiae of their travel plans with somebody that's knowledgeable with India. And so he opened a little travel agency, you know, and every, every time he opened another business, it was in collaboration with somebody else who was an expert. Yeah. Right? Dad, dad was good at finding locations and he was good at con making connections with people. Yeah. And he could get, he could get capital because he already had things going. He already had going concerns that were successful. So when he went to people for capital, he just had to point at the already successful businesses. And they're like, oh, sure. Yeah, I'll invest with you as an individual. I don't right. know about this particular concern, but you as an individual have already shown success in multiple concerns. So you're probably going to pick well, and you're probably going to throw your shoulder behind it. And all of those things, we can count on that, right? So I just grew up in this small business environment day in and day out. You know, my mom would just have me there in the grocery store. I had a job from the minute I could walk, right? There were little old ladies that would come in the store. My mom would, if I was sitting around doing something, she'd, she'd get up, go hold the lady's hand and ask her what she wants and walk her around the store and show her where things are on the shelves. And right? how did you get evolved from that to where you're running his restaurant over there? Oh, well, I mean, that was all very long, long story, but, um, uh, during high school, I, I did work in the restaurant routinely. Like I'd come home from school and that was my first thing. I'd come home from school, 
do a little prep work in the kitchen, then do homework, have a meal, then work the evening shift, waiting tables, you know, talking to customers. And so, of course, all this time I'm watching how business gets done, right? I'm, I'm listening to my parents talk to suppliers. I'm, I'm listening to my dad, you know, ask questions of customers and, you know, get, get people to talk about themselves and tell stories and all of this stuff. Like I'm watching how all of this stuff gets done. That's yeah. taking money from people. And it's a big bill, right? And people are forking over a, a lot of cash. Dad's making jokes. He's making them feel happy while they're handing over money. He's taking right. a moment, right, to go like, yeah. let's not let them get stressed out in this final moment of their being in the restaurant when they're finally forking over a big wad of dough. Let's yeah. make them continue to feel happy. You know, make them laugh a little bit, right? Yeah. Like, and yeah. I was like, ah, yeah, ah, you know, I'm <laughs> so all this stuff. Um, and then many years later, uh, it wasn't my plan to to run the restaurant, but um, my mother took ill. Uh, she was diagnosed with uh, kidney failure. And, um, and and she was so committed to the business. She had so much writing on the business. And she was also so committed to the people that worked for her, who were all family men. And the idea of the business dipping in any way and, and not negatively affecting her staff was just horrific to her. And um, I was in one of those funny situations where things that I thought were going concerns didn't pan out. And I said, Mom, look, I, I'm, I'm kind of empty-handed right now. Let me just step in and run this for you, you know, because you you can't do this right now. And and I and she said, no, 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 I don't want you involved in this business, you know. And I said, so I had to promise her. I said, look, mom, I promise you I won't stay involved in it more than five years. That's all I'll do. I'll do five years. I promise in in five years I will convert it so that it runs itself. So you don't have to do it so hands-on. Right. She was very mom and right. pop. You want to do it right, do it yourself. You know, if she came yeah. across an error, she wouldn't go lambast somebody. She right. would just do it herself. Yeah. Right. So I, I was like, okay, I'm going to help it. I'm going to help you convert it from that model to something where people have more, are, are delegated more responsibility. And right. when that's done in five years, I will wash my hands of this, but it'll be a stable entity that you don't have to put as much effort into. And, uh, and that's what I did. And see, the thing is that the reason it worked was, I'd like to point out, I don't know if you thought about it, you were, in essence, grew up in a business clinic. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Where you saw all the different aspects all at once, yeah. not just learning this and then learning that, but saw how they all evolved together. And of yeah. course, in over time, all kinds of different situations come expansion, you know, uh, you know, business is booming, business is flat, you know, yes, yes, easy, yes. easy to get the, uh, the supplies, then you can't find food, you know? Yeah. And uh, so you learn how to treat people, you learn all that stuff. But then when the situation came, it was easy for you to take in. But I think the role there, and I think that the lesson for people running this, uh, listening is, it wasn't a five-month plan, a five-week plan, five-year plan, and make it automatic where it's not personality that you need to look at your business and say, you know, in X number of years, I want to be able to pull out of this thing. I might not. I might hang in. I might open, you know, I might do anything, but I want to be right. able to exit 
and pass it on and not have the quality drop because yeah. I don't want to build a personality driven. Exactly. Yes. Forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to build a business and really only have a business when it will run without you there. And, yes. uh, and that's an extension of installing, identifying, installing the models in the systems, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and there were a lot of very specific steps that had to be taken in order for that to happen, you know, um, and, and um, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, I, I don't know how much of it was just a function of logic of just sort of looking at what the problem was and going, well, this is the obvious solution and how much of it was being around other things. Cause I, I know there are things I did that were relatively innovative. Um, you know, one, one of the things that I did was during the off season, I made people cross train each other's jobs just a little bit. Yeah. Right. Not so that they could necessarily gain a particular skill, but that number one goal in my mind, and I didn't say this to them, is to have them walk in each other's shoes for a minute. Right. Because one of the things I wanted to do away with was the way that they would fuss at each other when things got hairy, when things were really busy and then mistakes got made, they would start fussing at each other, right? And they'd get grumpy with each other. And I wanted to eliminate that. Because in the restaurant business, especially if you're successful, it's going to get really busy a lot. Mistakes are going to happen often. You can't have this be part of the culture that people snip at each, snipe at each other. Like I just, I wanted to get rid of that. So I thought, you know, if they walk in each other's shoes for a minute, they'll know that, oh, when that other guy is not paying attention to them, it's because he's paying attention to some other thing that's actually important. Yeah. And, and that, now that they've been on the other side of that counter and fussed, they, they're like, oh, I know what he's looking at. The guy's looking like this. I actually know what the object is he's looking at right now. Right. And, and, so, and so as you did that, it, you know, what I, we've talked about that, it just seemed like instinctively you figured out what to do, but you're following a path of logic. You know, they, like, what is the obvious thing? And that is really an extension of this thing how you unravel complex situations things you know because if you're successful you're going to be faced with things you've never been faced before pretty yes. much the rest of your life right you know? right 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 right, if you right, do right something right. well then it grows and now what are we going to do and right so the, the deal is let's just talk about staring uh let's just i just want to wrap it up with this it's like as you go through life, you go along and then things happen, bumps in the road. And, and I've, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say uh, how I remember us talking about it. And you said like, when the bump in the road happens, it's like instantly uh, a number of options occurs to you, but there'll only be one optimal, one best, option yeah and that's kind of uh, a way of thinking that you can use in all areas of your life you know there's lots of things you can do but there's if you think it through this is the reason not to rush into a burning building this is the reason not to uh run up on stage and slap chris rock he's like you know something happened you know the guy i think he insulted my life actually it was a very mild joke 
but anyway, you know, the fire went off in his head, Will's head is like one option, go up on stage and slap him and humiliate myself in front of the world. And there were other options, but he didn't give himself time to realize this is not the optimal choice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe wait till the show's over and then go slap him, you know, if you still want to slap him, you know, but <laughs> there's, you know, there's always an optimal, always choices, but there's always an optimal choice. And that's why uh, that resonated with me because I was, I think, going through the process of writing the book at the time. And I was talking about the fact that when you're solving problems, or you're dealing with issues, uh, things can be, you can always take a step forward and you can always take a step forward that shifts the odds of success in your favor. You know, mm -hmm. where, you know, you still yes. might be behind the eight ball. You still might be this, but if you evaluate your options for your next step, you could there there will be a step that will help you improve your odds, yeah. and uh, there's usually only one of those. Yeah. And so, talk about how you figure that out and how you look at is so you might restate that in your own words. Um, yeah, um, I mean, you know, I I think one of the things is that um, I have the habit of visualizing something before I do it. Yeah, you know, and I had realized that it, it, that often would get looked down upon by certain people. Really, as it's not passionate enough, you know, it, it it's not. It's like you don't trust yourself. You you know, you should just flow into things, et cetera, et cetera. And um, and I mean, I understood it at the time, you know, because from a young person's perspective, particularly, it it, it seems hesitant. And by definition, it seems uh, without courage. No, you know, that's an idiot who told you that and was so you. I mean, well, just a young person. Let's just say it's a young person. Right. As a young person, you know, and the people that are telling young people that need to be, uh, you know, removed from authority positions because. Sure, sure. Well, if the thing is, uh, the smart thing to do is, right. I mean, they don't just say, I want to build a hundred story building, get the contractors, you know, dig a hole, you know, no, you know, anything, you know, if you're going to build a bird house, I guess, sure, just go do it. Be passionate. But if you're build, <laughs> if Margin you're gonna, for error. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to build, you know, birds will put up with anything. But the, <laughs> wide so wide margin yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> but, but the thing is if you're going to do anything substantial it requires thought yes and uh because you have to be specific to be dynamic you can't just do a thousand things you gotta exactly exactly yeah. you gotta be specific to be dynamic i love that that's great yeah and so exactly so i i think what worked out in my favor is that I already had this work habit of visualizing things. Right. And so that gave me the opportunity to actually see how it's all going to play out. You know, even if I'm not, my visualization is my imagination. It's not necessarily always accurate, but, you know, it would give me a chance to actually go, well, how would this play out? And ad make adjustments before I did the final thing, you know, right. and, 
and I was gratified that, you know, I've never, I never grew up playing golf and I didn't grow up knowing anyone played golf. So, it, you know, the first time that I watched a golfer do three practice swings before they stepped up to the ball, I said, aha, look. Yeah. Right. Look at that. The precise, the one for whom the margin of error is meany mean, no margin of error. That person is like, no, no, I better, I better work out my angles in there. Hoo-ha before I step up to the ball, because I can't just yeah. be doing any old thing here. So, I, you know, I realized later, oh, I'm an engineer. That's what I am. And people ask me, well, what do you do, Kapesh? So what's so special about your approach to, you know, dealing with people's bodies? It, it's that I have, I, I take an engineer's approach, you know, uh, usually yeah. the people who come to me, their margin of error has already been exceeded, hasn't it? <laughs> They're in the yeah. red already right? right yeah so i don't even have anything much to play with on, in that sense right i better think through what i'm gonna do before i do it yeah and the more they're screaming for me to hurry up and do something the slower i go yeah yeah smart because you know the, one of the greatest women's uh pro golfers of all time anna Sorensen, said uh she every shot you know, she's very, she was like a metronome, you know, consistent. And she would go stand behind the ball. She called it the thinking box. Stand behind the ball about, you know, four, five, six, eight feet and look at the ball and where she wanted to go. And then think about the visualization of this, that, and the other, and the shot she wanted to hit. And then she'd walk up and she said, now I'm not thinking anymore. I'm in the hitting box. And she had her warm-up routine that she repeated every time based off what shot and where she wanted to go, you know. And she'd have her practice swings. She'd go through a routine, and she'd swing. But it's consistency and comes from having that type approach. You know, it's like plan your week. You plan your month. You plan... You know, you're always thinking about about, and again, one thing you you said there, making the adjustments, because yes. the clearer you are about what you want, the quicker you can realize if it's happening or not. Yes, yeah, and 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 emotionally, you've got to be ready to accept the the sight of failure when it pops up, even in your imagination. If you're if you're failing, don't start telling yourself little stories about it. Just accept that. Yep. Okay. Why? That looks like an F to me. All right. Well, I guess back to the drawing board. And I literally say that out loud in clinic to to patients. I'll be like, well, back to the drawing board. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not going to try to save my ego and lie about something being successful or try to make something appear successful if it wasn't. Yeah, you know, I, I think owning up again, it kind of comes back to that whole husbandry thing, you know, He's like, are, are you responsible? And if you're responsible, act responsibly. Right. Well, thanks so much. This has been every bit as much fun as I thought it would be. And uh, looking forward to you having incredible success with your new clinic. Thank and you. Looking forward for me to uh, get in the car and come see you sometime this spring. Thanks All right. So super. Thanks All so right. much. Kyle pleasure. Is there a last word that you'd like to leave people with about uh, navigating successfully through life and uh, keeping their head on their shoulders? 
you know, I, I, I mean, I got to go with my thing, which is think, 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 and enjoy it. Enjoy your thinking. Yeah. Thanks yeah. so much. Appreciate All right, it. Larry. If you enjoyed what you've heard and are dead serious about finding out for yourself exactly how this works in the real world, I've taken the most valuable business lessons I've learned over 40 years and put them into something for you to watch. Go to whiteellenwinning.com forward slash webinar now in order to move up as fast as possible. I'm Larry Whitell, and I run the Million Dollar Mastermind. Go, go, go.